This is Dorel Lalia, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast episode. Well, would you look at that? 75. Moving on up. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobster, the cash flow ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. But whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place mr hollywood himself presents the before the millions podcast and now your host deray olalaye hey what's up what's going on tribe back for another installment another episode of the before the millions podcast and guys i'm excited excited to have another guest on the show talk about another topic expand our minds to new things and new possibilities And on today's show, we are speaking with hard money lender, Ryan G. Wright. Ryan has been an investor for a little over 10 years now, and he got into lending because he was having a lot of trouble funding his deals. And he eventually ended up in a place in which he was getting funding from less reputable, less reliable sources. And he didn't like that. He wanted to provide a solution for all of us out there looking to do more deals, looking to do deals quickly, and looking to close without having to worry about the stress of where am I going to find the money? So he got into hard money lending. And hard money lending is very interchangeable with private money. But in a nutshell, these are small, short-term, maybe even micro loans that you can get. And these loans you can often get with no money down and no monthly payments. Now, the thing about these loans are that because they're very short-term loans, the interest rates are often very high. And there's often points associated with that loan, which in essence also increases the amount of money that you owe that lender. So what that means is hard money loans can be really, really expensive. And most of the time, they're not worth the trouble. But in certain scenarios... And for a certain type of real estate vehicle, such as fixing and flipping, hard money is perfect. You're able to get in with the cash that you need, make a wonderful profit, pay the cash back, and continue to rent and repeat that process. Guys, on today's show, not only are we going to talk about lending and private money, but we're also going to talk about investing in single family homes and why that may be a little bit more advantageous than moving on and upward to the multifamily level. So, I love that we're getting to talk about the other end of this coin because we often bring on guests that tell us about how how much more efficient it is to scale and to scale as quickly as possible. But there are very many real estate investors out there who actually believe in the exact opposite. And Ryan is one of them. He's going to tell us exactly why he wants to stay in single family rentals and why it's a perfect niche for him. 
We're also going to talk about why your goal should never be tied to your self-worth. We're going to talk about two ways that you can use hard money lending to actually buy rentals. Again, I said that hard money is primarily for shorter term plays, but there are scenarios in which hard money would be a great tool to use to buy your next rental. So again, guys, it's a great episode. I can't wait to get into it. But before we jump in, I know that a lot of you guys have been asking me about the 30-day challenge. Now, for any of you that are not familiar with the 30-day challenge, literally just go back to the last episode, episode 74, and listen to that intro. But a long story short, I am coming up with a 30-day challenge, and it's to bust all the myths out there. Goal in 2018 has been to help as many people as I can start that journey to financial freedom. Start that journey, plant that first seed. And I actually probably don't give myself enough credit because I take it a step further than that. And amongst other things, I offer private coaching. And looking at the numbers the other day, I've literally done well over 300 hours of coaching this year. 300 hours. And I'm just like, man, I've been laser focused on this goal. And The reason I came up with this challenge was because I didn't want anybody to believe that it was too late for them in 2018. Because again, my goal for the year has been to help as many people as I can start down this journey and never look back. So I thought I'd take a moment to actually no longer talk about the challenge. Because as important as this challenge is, and as important as it's going to be for many of you who are going to use this challenge to kickstart your real estate investing journey, the challenge is this, just that, a challenge. And the psychology behind us doing this challenge is because I know that if I can debunk some of the myths that we have around money, debunk some of the myths around what's needed to get started, and debunk some of the myths around how hard and how long it's going to take for you to get your first property, whether that's a rental, whether that's a flip or a wholesale, I want to show you that with just one strategy, one small strategy, you can begin to have your phone ringing off the hook with leads and potential deals that you can close. And often, if you're creative enough, with none of your own money. So the challenge is to open up the possibilities, but it's not going to give you a step-by-step, a hand-holding experience. It's going to do exactly how the title implies. It's going to challenge you. Now, how you do get the step-by-step hand-holding experience and guarantee that you start down the path that you will never look back, private one-on-one coaching. Tell me if this sounds like who you are and where you're looking to go, what you're looking to achieve. I am fully determined in 2018, not just to complete a challenge and possibly do a transaction, and possibly learn a strategy or two, but to purchase my first property and have a system in place to build and scale this business so that I can eventually replace my W-2 income with passive cash flow from tenants and other components of your real estate business. From having a platform such as this, a podcast, or a local meetup, For those of you that just love the idea of giving back similar to kind of what I'm doing and, you know, just pouring into others, to having a course or a consulting service, or even opening up another business that complements your investing, such as hard money lending like Ryan is doing. But I love working with individuals to help them purchase their first investment property 
and then start building this system that's going to help them scale and fund their deals and fund their lifestyle. So I'll put the 30-day challenge on hold and let's get serious for a minute. For those of you that are looking for life-lasting change and you're ready to start down this path and you want me to be your personal coach or consultant through this journey, give you everything in my head, all the tips, tricks, resources, strategies, connections, the seminars, boot camps, books, immersions. You never know. We may even partner on a deal or two. But if you want that personalized, specialized attention to make sure that you're going to get to your goal, you're going to build this business the right way and without all the mistakes that I've made, then let's get on the phone. Let's have a conversation. Let's see if we're a good fit. These calls, I call them breakthrough sessions. And these breakthrough sessions, I've been offering literally all year. And what's crazy is I started offering these breakthrough sessions, these one-hour sessions for $300 an hour in January of this year, 2018. $300 an hour, just a one-hour session with me. But through these sessions, I realized, man, not only am I adding so much value, but I'm helping people get connected with the right resource. I mean, because guys, you get you get on a breakthrough session with myself or, some, or a member of my team, and we're going to take care of you. We're going to expand you. We're going to make sure that it's the best 45 minutes that you've ever spent talking about your investing journey. What's really cool is that you're going to leave the conversation with clarity on what you need and what you don't need, what's working and what's not working, how to move forward, how to take the next steps. Through these sessions, I've recommended so many people to so many previous guests. On one of these sessions, we break down your your situation, what you're looking to do, how fast you're looking to do it, what vehicle you want to use to do that. And based upon a lot of that information, because we've interviewed so many millionaires and entrepreneurs on this show, I have firsthand access to a lot of these people. And I often connect people who've discovered me, many of my guests. Now, also on these sessions, every so often there's going to be somebody who fits the mold of somebody I'd like to personally mentor on a one-on-one basis, somebody I'd like to enrich, add value, and watch grow. So rather than passing that person along, I extend them an offer to come work with me. And that's how a lot of my working relationships have began. That's how I've acquired quite a few of my coaching clients. So when I realized how powerful these sessions were for people, I was just like, there's no way I can keep this bottled up. And I have to get this out to as many people as possible who are looking for this transformational conversation. So I took a breakthrough session that was $300 in January. And literally the next month, I started offering that session for free. And it's been free ever since amazing breakthrough sessions, but for a limited amount of people to I'm offering these breakthrough sessions to everybody, everybody getting them clarity on what the next steps are, getting them clarity on what's been holding them back, getting them clarity on the actual system that's needed for them to create the lifestyle that they want. And then pairing them up with the right real estate vehicle that's going to best implement that system. We've been doing those all year, guys. And if you haven't taken advantage of one of these calls, it's not too late. It is not too late. And it's completely free. So you ask yourself, I'm on the fence. 
and I'm on the fence in general about real estate investing. I don't know what to do. I know, don't I don't know where to start. I don't know who to listen to, what corner to turn. Well, hey, DeRay and the BTM team will take care of you. We're going to get on the phone and we're going to talk about those things. And again, if we're not a right fit, we will tell you. We'll be the first ones to tell you, but we're not going to leave you hanging. We'll definitely recommend you to the perfect resource or person that's going to best suit your needs. But first, we have to figure out what's going on. We have to figure out what's under the hood and we have to figure out what you want. And actually, guys, there's no better time. There's no better time than to become a client. Because those of you becoming clients at this point in time, first and foremost, I'm going to have you guys championing the challenge because it wouldn't speak well if my own clients don't outperform everybody doing the challenge, right? So if you're a client of mine and you're participating, or if you're a listener out there and you're planning on participating in this challenge, in this 30-day challenge to get your first real estate transaction done, Let's get on the phone. Let's talk about the coaching that you're going to want to start scaling this business. At the very least, you can walk away from this call with a whole lot of clarity and next steps. But there's so much more that could happen. So I don't want you to miss out. And if this is something that you're interested in, book your call today. Book your call now. And if you're listening to this sometime in the future, if you're listening to this in 2019, you should be just as adamant, just as adamant about pursuing your dreams. And if we're offering these calls in 2019, 2020, I strongly suggest that you take advantage of this. I've had so many people, so many people tell me that just this call alone, not even my clients, but people who've just taken advantage of this free resource, just this call alone has changed their trajectory, has gotten them connected with a local mentor or coach has gotten them connected with the previous guest on the show, and now they're doing bigger, better things, has gotten them to realize that they're shooting themselves in the foot and that they're procrastinating and prolonging the one thing that they probably should put at the top of their priority list is no longer serving them. I think I can double the amount of hours I've done coaching for the year. I think I get to 600 with, with this last quarter. I can get to 600. And it's a goal of mine because that's the, that's the amount of impact I want to have. And that's one of the best ways I've been able to use to measure that. How much time am I dedicating to this? How many people am I helping? What kind of success are they reaching? Which reminds me, tune into next week's episode so we can start talking about and start talking to some of my successes. So book a call with myself and my team where we're going to get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, what is your cash flow goal? How much are you looking to make? Number two, your personalized investing strategy. And number three, the best way to get started using rental real estate. And that's it, guys. To book your one-on-one breakthrough session with yourself and myself or yourself and a member of my team, all you have to do, if I were you guys, this is all I would have been waiting for. What's the link to right? What is the link? What's the good? All you have to do is head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. That's beforethemillions.com forward slash call. And we'll be on the phone very, very soon. All right, let's get to the show. DeRay's tip of the week. So it's funny how we call entrepreneurship a journey, but we call a W2 a career. And I've been on this journey for a while. And on this journey, 
you have many peaks and valleys, many ups and downs. And I must say, I have had my share of downs. As a very introverted and very private person, I don't share a lot of my feelings with those closest to me. I don't share a lot of my troubles with those around me. I've always been like that. But again, on this journey that has a lot of peaks and valleys and the ups and downs, it's very hard to say steady without having what I like to call support. Support can come in many different shapes and functions and things of that nature. And oftentimes when I'm talking about support such as this, I'm often referring to a group of individuals, maybe a mastermind, maybe a mentoring group, maybe peers doing the same thing that you're doing, but not today. Today, I'm talking about the most vital, the most intricate support system that you could have. Nine times out of 10, these people are going to have no idea, no idea what you're doing. Yes, I'm talking about the people closest to you, your family. My family has been my greatest support system. And it's been my desire to learn how to lean on them a little bit more. And that's what I've been doing. Most recently, my little sister has been the one to get me out of a funk. We all have our funks. We all have our ups and downs. I like to think I have a lot more up days than a lot of people, but I get down every once in a while. And sometimes instead of encouraging others, sometimes I'm the one who needs that encouragement. I need that pick me up. And today I thought, who better to turn to? Who better to pour into me than somebody in my support system who trusts me, who values me, who cares for me, and who has my best interests at hand? So through this journey that we're going through on, guys, we all need the support system. And what's going to be really cool about this support system that's different from any other support system is that they're not other real estate investors. They're not peers. They're not mentors. Your family gets to look at things from a whole other perspective, and they get to give you that insight based on what they know about you that, quite frankly, mostly nobody else knows And their point of view, which I think is invaluable. So as you guys continue, start, progress down this journey, keep in mind and keep at bay the most important people in your lives. Share with them your wins, your losses. Be vulnerable to these people. Pour into them and allow them to pour into you. When you can't go anymore, when you've had the worst of worst days, Your support system is going to be there, encouraging you, pushing you, helping, inspiring, providing for you, whatever the case may be, they're going to be there. Hey, if you want, reach out to a few people that you love today. Let them know that you support them, that you love them, that you're there for them. And just sit back and see the type of responses that you'll get. You'll realize that you have a strong support system. You can tap into this system at any time and get some encouragement and some inspiration. So that's tip of the week, guys. Your support system is vital, vital on this journey. Now let's get to the show. And now your feature presentation. Today's episode, we are speaking to Mr. Ryan G. Wright. Ryan, how's it going today? Excellent. How are you? 
I'm doing amazing, Ryan, and I am excited for today's episode. I can't wait to get into your story, learn a little bit more about you, find out why and how and where to find hard money. I mean, I believe that you are a hard money expert. I don't even know what hard money is. And that's what a lot of people are thinking. What is hard money? What is private money? What's the difference? How does all of this stuff work? We're going to find out all of that today. So before we find out all of this, before we figure out how you've taken this foyer into being the CEO of dohardmoney.com, let's, let's take it back. You know, let's talk about 10 years ago or 20 years ago, Ryan, when, you know, maybe even, let's even take it back to the age of six, 15 or 16. Let's talk about your earlier formative years and what kind of got you started on this path and how did you become so entrepreneurial so early on? Yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate it. I think, I think my dad just had a lot to do with it and I'm really grateful for him. You know, back, you know, I was kind of like everybody else, you know, I was selling cans of soda to the construction workers in the neighborhood, you know, that type of stuff. A lot of people have paper routes, but you know, when I was uh, 12 or 14, somewhere in there, my dad owned uh, an office. He was a chiropractor and he came to me and said, I'm paying to get my carpets cleaned every single week or every month, you know, cause he had a lot of traffic. And he said, you know what, if I bought a carpet machine, if I gave you the money and you bought a carpet cleaning machine and then you paid me back plus interest, you could make enough money to pay off the machine and you could do a few neighbors and make some money. And that was like the lightning bolt for me, right? So he, he loaned me the money. I bought this carpet cleaning machine. I cleaned his office, which gave me enough money to pay off his loan. But then I could knock on the neighbor's door and start cleaning their carpets. And literally, that was kind of the start. I learned about interest. <laughs> I learned about having a lender. And I, I learned a little bit of hustle. I had to learn some sales skills. I had to go knock on some doors of some neighbors um, that I would wheel my, you know, my carpet cleaning machine down to. And, and it took a lot of effort on my dad's part. You know, he had to drive me to the office. You know, I, I was... 14, you know, so it took a lot of effort on his part. But I think that was like the formative, like, this is cool when you get, get a big check when all your, your buddies are barely making money with a paper route. And it's like, you get a decent check. It's like, that's cool. That's, that's really, really started for me. Yeah, for sure. So how did, I mean, how did you progress down that path? Like what was next for you? Did you, did you, did you kind of, did that kind of like fall by the wayside and you kind of entered this professional cycle or did that kind of just kind of propel you leaps and bounds <laughs> into entrepreneurism? Yeah, it's great. It's a great story. From there, I started cleaning more and more carpets. I ended up getting a truck mount machine. I had my own van when I was 16, you know, fix that up. We had a huge machine. I had big customers. One of the things that I think really happened to me is I just wasn't afraid to go talk to people. So I had clients. I don't know if you remember like the Franklin day planners, like in the mall I had, they were a client of mine. I had a, a major ski resort in Salt Lake City that was a client of mine. You know, I like, I just went and talked to people and I don't know if people gave me the work because I did the best job ever or if they gave me the work just because I was hustling and they were like, I just believe that you get rewarded for taking action. And the more action you take, like the reward comes. It's just, it's just inevitable. So then I started cleaning carpets in those. And then actually in high school, I ended up selling that carpet cleaning company to another carpet cleaning company because I wanted to have something that I wasn't having to do. See, with a carpet cleaning, I had to go clean the carpets every single time, right? And so I wanted something that I could make money where I wasn't there having to do it. And so what I did is I got into the mats and matting that kind of propelled me into another business. I sold that one. I started another business where we did floor mats, like the nice mats. When you come in and out of an office complex, we would put logos in them. And then my mom actually signed on a lease for a, a warehouse so I could store the mats. We could clean the mats. I had a big commercial machine that I bought with the proceeds from my prior company and I'm in high school. Right. And so I'm, I'm doing these mats and we had big like Zuka juice 
juice and Jamba juice. And, you know, we had different customers of ours. We'd just go talk to them and uh, get those guys. So that kind of propelled me into, into there. And that's kind of part of my story prior to, prior to real estate was that. And I ended up selling that company as well right before I got into college. Nice, nice, nice. So, you know, let's fast forward down your journey a little bit more, Ryan, because I think this is very fascinating and interesting. And you're able to use some of your experiences in your early formative years and kind of draw that that comparison or that correlation to what you do now, which is real estate investing and, and lending. So let's maybe talk about, before we kind of get to the whole real estate piece, let's talk about some of the traits and attributes that you're able to pick up from that and maybe some of the lessons learned and some of the values that you were able to pick up in being an entrepreneur at such an early age that you were directly able to transfer into your real estate investing journey. Yeah, absolutely. I, I actually had the privilege. I won, I was nominated for real estate, or I, I'm sorry, for Young Entrepreneur of the Year for the state of Utah. It was a governor's award from the governor, right? And one of the things that I got with that, that was a life lesson that every day now I talk about because I see it so frequently. I got the opportunity to meet an amazing entrepreneur named Larry Miller and he owns the Utah Jazz. He owns a bunch of car dealerships. I think they're the largest privately held company or something like that. Anyway, they're huge. But part of that award, I was able to meet with him and I got time with him, went to lunch and he, I said, Larry, like he was an idol. I looked up to this guy, right? You know, he owns an NBA franchise and he, you know, grew up in Utah and made his way from nothing. And I'm sitting down with Larry and I'm like, Larry, what's the secret to success? You know, what's the secret to success? And, you know, he says to me three things, show up, show up on time and show up prepared. And I remember walking away from that, like, are you kidding me? Like, that's the secret to success. I remember being upset, being bummed out. And now years later, I'm seeing those three fundamentals, like, like you got to show up. It's amazing how many people that they want to get started in real estate or they want to do something, but they never even show up. They might buy the book. They might buy the CD, do the course, but they never actually show up. And then the second thing is showing up on time. It's amazing how many people, when they're on a presentation to, to talk to a seller, they show up late. You know, that's, that's just ridiculous. And third, showing up prepared, being ready. And, you know, Larry said, hey, if you, if you show up, you'll beat out half your competition. If you show up on time, you'll beat out the other half. So now you're only down to 25%. And if you show up prepared, you'll beat out another half and you're only competing with 10%. And I see that so frequently. Most people don't show up. Most people don't show up on time. And most people don't show up prepared and you don't have to be amazing. You just got to show up, show up prepared, show up on time and you'll beat out so much of the competition that never even get started. Yeah, for sure. So, so Ryan, what was your first real estate investment? So my journey, I actually started, look, I kind of come from a history of flippers. My grandfather flipped properties in Southern California before it was even popular. My very first one I bought was a duplex that I turned into a threeplex and I actually moved into one of the sides. That was kind of my first one. And at that time I was getting into, um, I was getting my real estate's license at the time as well. But that was my first, that was my very first purchase. Nice, nice, nice. So how did that go for you? Do you remember the numbers on that? You know, we're talking 18 years ago <laughs> oh, wow. and I've done, I've done hundreds of transactions. I can't remember. So the, the story on that really for me is we bought it. I moved into it. I married my girlfriend, became my wife at the time. We lived there for a couple of years and then we bought another house and kept that as a rental. And we sold it a few years after that at, for a significant profit. I mean, I'd 
30 grand or something like that, which was really big at the time, I kind of decided to move away from plexes and move towards single family houses as rentals. So I have a different rental strategy than a lot of people. So I'm a big fan of single family rentals rather than plexes. There's advantages and disadvantages to both. But for me, I much prefer that. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a, that's a good foyer into the next question. I mean, the advantages of going bigger, faster, going, you know, more units than less. I mean, we talk about that all day, every day on the show, but I never get somebody on the show who's able to argue the other side and talk about some of the advantages from, you know, doing what it is that you're doing, looking at singles and, you know, going away from that. So maybe let's talk about some of the advantages from that aspect so that we can at least, you know, have get the listeners to be able to be like, hmm, this sounds like it works for me. This doesn't sound like it works for me. And they can make their own decision. Yeah. And let me be clear. There's no, the only wrong way to do real estate investing is to not do it. Yeah. Right. So that's the only wrong way. And so I realized with single family houses, it's harder to scale. I get that. So here's what I found myself. Here's where I kind of got away from the plexus. So my dad own plexus. So he'd buy a duplex or a fourplex, do some work on it and keep it and pay it off and then buy another one. So he was kind of taking the slower road conservative approach, buy a duplex, make it better, pay it off over a few years through his income he was making from his job and then buy another one, try and pay it off in a few years, buy another one. So that was kind of his strategy. So when I got into real estate, which I knew I wanted to because I saw so much wealth that was created there, I got into the lending side and I said, hey, I'm going to do the same thing. So I bought, my, I bought a duplex. The thing that I didn't, and I started buying more and more plexes. And, and one day I got a phone call from the police because someone, there was a gun that went off in one of my plexes. And so the thing for me is the turnover and the management, you got to start, you know, I look at uh, rental properties, kind of like commercial properties. You have A grade properties, B grade properties, and C grade properties. So if you've ever shopped commercial real estate or rented commercial real estate, they categorize everything as ABC, A plus, A minus, B plus, that type of stuff. And I do the same thing with rental units, you know, A, B, and C, depending upon the neighborhood and those things. And one of the things I found with the plexes is I was constantly having turnover. Every six months, people were leaving. There were more transient housing. So I use that as a leverage to get me into B plus or A minus rentals which I consider single family houses, four bedrooms, two bathrooms, two car garage in a great neighborhood. And my average tenant now stays for five years. I had a tenant the other day I had never seen that had been in my place for eight years. And we have a different philosophy. They take care of repairs and that type of stuff. So I, I have guys in there for eight years. So that's the difference for me. For me, it's more of a lifestyle with that than doing a bunch of plexes. Um, my side of that is it's a lifestyle. It's easier to manage. I don't have turnovers. I don't deal with problems. I have people that stay there for five years. So it's just a completely different model. Now, I'm in a different phase than a lot of people. Some people are in the acquisition phase. Some people are in the trade-up phase where you're trying to trade up to a better property. Some people are in the maintenance phase. I've actually liquidated properties. I'm just getting down to the stuff where I want to own forever. I'm never going to get rid of. So I've, I've been liquidating some in markets like this. And I'm pretty much down to the stuff that I just, I always want to have. Yeah, for sure. And again, I love how you were able to really highlight the pros of what you're doing, because I think that's super important and that's super, super vital to kind of pay attention to, especially for the listeners looking to jump into commercial real estate and what they value. You know, it's one of the, it's one thing to jump in because everybody's telling you like multifamily is the way to go, but 
what are your values? What are your goals? And if your goals, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, for instance, you want to be able to have less turnover, like, I mean, five years, like that's beautiful. Eight years, that's beautiful. I mean, you know, a lot of people would dream of that. And if that's what's going to help you sleep at night, if that's what's going to cause you to, you know, propel your real estate investing career forward, then I definitely recommend that path. So I love that. I love that you're able to highlight, you know, why you do what you do, because there are a lot of investors like you. I mean, there are a lot of single family investors that have that mindset. So when I can get somebody on the show to kind of shed some light as to why this is viable, and why this is amazing, then I love that. So let's maybe talk about maybe uh, not as far as real estate, but you know, in yourself in general, what's maybe an investment? And this investment can be of $100 or less that you've been able to spend in yourself that has been a worthwhile investment for you. I spend money all the time on myself and it's really for my mind. So whether that's courses or whether that's books or whether that's podcasts, not a big investment in podcasts, obviously, but training your mind, I think is the most important thing. If you're going to... I mean, if you're going to nail me down on one specifically, I just got a couple of training courses that were over $100 that are just, that are amazing. I think, I think it's really easy to lose sight of investing in yourself. Without that, you stagnate. And I mean, if, if you can't afford a hundred bucks, go to the library. I mean, there's so much, I mean, that was a big thing Andrew Carnegie thought, proved that if he could make pr- public libraries, you could see the income levels of individuals in the country significantly go up and education's powerful. So you've got to be willing to invest in the education. So I'd say, I would say that, oh, something else. Um, I don't know. I, I'd say, you know, I'm constantly getting books and deliveries. That's, that's got to be it. Like, it, you know, learning CDs. I'm a big CD guy. That's, that's probably my biggest thing. I love it. I love it. So let's fast forward down your path a little bit more, Ryan. Let's talk about the fact that you've already started investing in real estate. You may have even started doing some fixing and flipping. What what was appealing about the lending space and what got you into lending and how did you get started? Well, the reason the reason I got into lending is because how hard it was for me to get money when I was a fix and flipper. So my stories with regards to this is pretty simple. You know, we started as uh, real estate agents and we were buying plexes. I was helping people get the loans and my wife would go show them the properties. We were going after first time home buyers and there were some programs that you could get in. I would call renters and say, do you want to buy a house for the same amount you're paying in rent? And if they said, yes, I'd do a profile. My wife would go show them the house. From there, we got into listing we help people sell houses. And then um, we kept buying some plexes and learning about that type of stuff. And then one day I got a course, you know, about fix and flipping and uh, I was too scared to do it. So rather than doing it myself, we help people buy a house and sell a house and, and we would find investors. So I would find the house for them and I would sell the house and I get both sides of the commission, but I didn't have to take on any risk. And that was my comfort level at that time. So I did that and I had several investors. We do all the hard work and find it. And, and one day my wife came to me, um, her name's Hillary, and she's like, you know what? I found this deal. I just locked it up. We are going to buy it. And I'm like, no way. I, I just don't, I'm too scared. It was a $30,000 deal, $30,000 in profit on it. And I was just freaked out. And so we went to the house and I remember it was on Lamar street. I remember like it was yesterday and our due diligence deadline was that day. And I was just scared to death. And my wife's like, let's just do it. And so we ended up doing that. And that changed the course of my life was doing that first deal. Cause I, I was so scared about doing that and doing that first one's always the hardest, but in that process, it was so difficult to get money. It was so difficult. I remember chasing money like crazy. And so during this time, I was also acting as an agent and I had a client that I ran into by prospecting for 
for a rent by owner, by the way. And I was liquidating properties for him. Every year, he'd, he'd send me more properties to sell more properties to sell. And he was from out of the country. And one day he came into town and said, I've got 5 million bucks. I've liquidated all these properties and I want you to put it to work. And what do we do? And I said, we got to get into lending because I knew the difficulties. I would find a good deal and I would call some guys and they'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. I heard there was a shooting in that area. We're not going to do that deal. Or I'd call another one and be like, oh, we're out of money. Or I call. And so then I would, I would get that out of contract. And I'd go find another one. Then I'd call them again. Oh, I'm sorry. We won't do this deal. And so I was always chasing the money. It's so hard to find a good deal. But then if you have to find a good deal and then you have to go find the money, it's so difficult to be doing both of those. And you never knew what they would do or what they wouldn't do. So we kind of became the non-bank. We said, hey, if you get a property and meets these criteria, we'll do the deal. And so an investor could rely and know, hey, we got your back. So you didn't have to worry about finding the money. You worried about finding the deal and then we would we had, the, had your back on the money. And it went like gangbusters because it, there was nothing that said, if you meet these criteria, then we'll fund your deal. And so that's, that's really the start for us in getting into the lending. How did you initially build that network so that you knew that this was a viable business for you? Yeah. So, I mean, I'd already built a few businesses, right? And even the real estate brokerage firm, you know, we had a lot of success with that as well. So, I had a foundation of building some businesses, but really it started small. It started with this one investor that had some money that said, okay, I'll sign up with that. So, I told him how it worked and then we would go find deals. And if we, you know, then we would underwrite them and he'd send the wire out and it started just doing a few deals and that turned into a few more. And then we needed to get more investors. And so, you know, we worked to find more investors and got more deals and grew into other states. And so I think it started small, you know, it started one deal at a time or a couple deals at a time. One thing I'd highlight is it really started with relationships. I had earned this guy's trust over many years. He knew that I would not lie, cheat or steal. And so over, I would say five years, I liquidated properties and he saw me hustling. And that's one thing, you know, there's deals we did where we probably didn't make much money at all. We probably didn't make minimum wage, but we always came through with our commitments, did what we said we would do. You know, we always want to offer more value than, than the cost. And so I think making relationships and doing, you know, long-term, long-term strategies, that investor's still with me today, you know, 15 years later, he's still with me today, you know? And so, so from there we grew, got some more investors. There was another real estate project that I did. It was an apartment or a condo project and somebody did a horrible job with it. And one of the owners passed away and his son inherited it. And we ended up making a relation with him, selling a couple hundred condos as a broker, as a real estate broker. And then after that transaction, I said, Hey, are you interested? I've got this money lending. And you know, that was probably 12 years ago. And he's still with me today and doing deals. I mean, he's funding deals today. So, you know, so we've got that. And then from there, we started building technology. Then we, well, actually the real answer to that is we started building marketing. So nobody was on online at that time. You couldn't find hard money lenders online. So we built the first website and then we started doing SEO and then we started learning how to do that. And so we started growing our online presence and, and growing our website. So, and then we've, from there, I mean, we've invested in technology, we've got developers, we've got software that we own, you know, all kinds of stuff. We have hedge funds, we have institutional investors, we have private investors, you know, so it's just grown and it's just kind of one step at a time. And sometimes we'll make a step and we'll make a mistake and have to take a step backwards. And other times we'll make two steps forward. And so I think it's being agile. I think it's listening to the market. I think it's knowing, you know, what the needs are out there and being active in the community.
I love that. I love that. So let's fast forward down your path a little bit more, Ryan. This is all very fascinating stuff. And you you are a, a serial entrepreneur, as I like to call it, because, I mean, you've built multiple businesses, you've sold a few, and you have a couple under your belt right now. So let's talk about present day. Let's get all the way up to, to here, 2018, and talk about what does what does life look like for you now? I mean, we'll talk about the lifestyle design aspect of things, but how many businesses are you running and what is your role in those businesses? And then what are you doing in your free time? Okay, so I've got, I have to count, I have several holding companies that hold properties. So, you know, I've got, I've got multiple holding companies that hold investments. And so let's just call that five. And then I've got my own capital I do some lending with. And so I've got that. And then we've got, you know, our lending platform and those things. So I've got that. I've got another little fund that does some investing. So I probably have seven different companies if you, if you kind of boiled that down. We've got the real estate brokerage, you know, we've got the, the hard money lending. So, so I would say, I would say seven for me, for the size of company that we run, I would say I usually in an average work week, I work 45 hours a week. I really do that because I like it. I mean, Fridays I leave at two o'clock to go up to the cabin or up to the lake. I come in when my kids go to school is when I drive in. So we all, you know, get together and, and then, you know, leave together as a family. They go off to school. My wife takes them and I drive to work. I love what I do. I mean, lifestyle wise, I've got to say like guys that are climbing the mountain love to climb the mountain. And I always say, Hey, I remember I had this thing in the shower that was cash flow, And I remember every day I looked at it and every time I got a hundred dollars of cash flow, I would highlight it. And it, and it was, you know, you'd see it, the barometer go up because I'd highlight it, put it back in the shower. And I remember thinking, man, if I could get $5,000 a month in cash flow, like the world is mine. I have the tiger by the tail. And I remember hitting that. And then it wasn't as exciting as I thought it was going to be. And then it's like, man, if I could get to 10,000 in cash flow, then I, then I would have hit it. And then I get to 10,000 cash flow. And it's like, so, I mean, one of the things where entrepreneurs, you got to celebrate some successes, which I do a horrible job with that. But the next mountain is around the corner. And the thing I've really realized is I like to climb the mountain. I like it, you know, and it's stressful. But what I like about climbing the mountain is that's where the satisfaction, I mean, the joy is in the journey. And if you can't enjoy the journey, and that's the hard things and the good things. Like, we have a really big challenge we're dealing with right now. The office is a really big challenge and it's stressful and I've lost sleep over it and it's frustrating and everything else. But you know what? Once I overcome this challenge, it's pretty rewarding. And so I think your high highs and lows lows gets bigger and the next hurdles, the next mountain range is like right over there. Let's go for it. And I think a lot of people think, oh, when I hit here, I'm done. And it just doesn't work like that. That said, you know, two days, I'm leaving for the Bahamas for two weeks, right? So I'm going to be hanging out at the beach with my kids for a couple of weeks because I try and take time. So what I've kind of done is said, hey, I'm going to take time away in the summers and, you know, go with the kids. And then um, the rest of the time I'll work kind of a normal, a normal hours. And that's, that's kind of been my, been my lifestyle. Makes sense. That's perfect. That's perfect. And you talk about when you think about maybe like going to the cabin or going to the lake, what about that? Just what does that do for you? How does that, how does that like, um, and this is something that you may not probably have been able to do all your life, but now that you're able to do that, what does that do for you? Like how, how does that feel that you're able to just go out to the cabin and what are you doing there? Like, is that serene time? Is that time to get away? Like talk about that, that experience for a little bit. Absolutely. So we bought our first cabin about 13 years ago and you know, my wife, she really wanted to have a getaway place, right? So instead of just saying, 
oh, we can't afford that. I ask the right question. And the right question is, how can I afford that? And so I went and found some cash flow, bought another property. So I had the money to actually buy it. And we went and found an IRS auction and bought this cabin. And so that was amazing. We just actually sold that and bought a new one. And we, we cleared, I think, $100,000 on it. So that was fantastic. And then bought a new one. But the cabin for me is the time to get away. So I like to sit out on the deck and do nothing but think. I like to hear the birds chirp. I like to see the different types of birds that are around. I mean, don't call me a bird watcher, but it's actually kind of cool. I like to, uh, you know, I like to get on the snowmobile and go hit some fresh powder. Um, my boys and I will hit the ski slopes. I like to get away. And the nice thing about our place, we're about an hour, 15 minutes away from here. So I can be there quick. I can get away and rejuvenate. And I think that's kind of the biggest things. When you change your, when you change your environment, it helps your mind, right? Just to get away, get away. And so that's what I like to do. So. I love that. I love that. And, you know, earlier you spoke to the, the concept of just like enjoying the journey. And I really appreciate that because it's one of those things to where we get so caught up in our goals. We get so caught up in what we're, what we're, what's in the future. I mean, when you're always caught up in the future, you're never really living for the present. And uh, there's this quote by uh, James Lachard, and uh, you may, may have heard of it before because it's commonly misquoted by Gandhi, but it's actually by this guy named James Lachard. And it says, man, because he sacrifices health in order to make money, and then he sacrifices money to recuperate his health. He's so anxious about the future, he does not enjoy the present. The result being that he does not live in the present or the future. He lives as if he's never going to die and then dies having never really lived. Oh, I'm just like, who, who's, oh, that, who's that again? That's so, what's, what's the name? <laughs> James Lachard. Man, I love that. And, and I'm guilty of that. Like, I got to say, I've been guilty of that many times. <laughs> Like it's about the journey, like our goals, our destination, like those are like, those are like plateaus. And like, as soon as we get there, we're, we're automatically wired to be like, okay, well, what's the next one? How do I get to the next thing? Like I've accomplished this, like, okay, it, it didn't, maybe it may have given me the satisfaction it may have not have, but what's next. And we always constantly live in that what's next mentality, which is living in the future or looking towards the future. Whereas that, I mean, you're, you're pre all we have is the present. All we have is the present. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. And one of the things I think a lot of people make mistakes is they tie their self-worth to hitting or achieving their goals rather than just saying, you know what, I'm blessed. I'm, you know, I'm fortunate to live in America. Like I won the, the freaking lottery by being born here. And instead of just saying, you know, I've got self-worth on my own. It's like, if I don't hit my goal, my self-worth went down. And it's like goals shouldn't necessarily be tied to self-worth. Like we can say, because people are amazing and wonderful and on their own. And we should strive for things, but we shouldn't beat ourselves up of being like, I'm a horrible person. Goals should inspire us. Goals should drive us. Goals shouldn't be put us in the toilet of despair. And I see a lot of people like, Hey, I didn't hit, you know, I didn't hit this goal. I didn't make all this money. It's like, it's good to shoot for it, but you also have to turn back and look backwards and be like, where did I come from? How much progress have I made? Because goals should stretch us. And sometimes we're not going to hit those, but we should also look back and say, we did accomplish a lot. And so taking reflection time. I love it. I love it. Well, Ryan, this has already been an amazing interview. Now we want to kind of talk about some strategy. We want to talk about some of the things that you're doing and how maybe we can help some of the listeners get on their way. And I want to talk about a certain subset of lending. And these may be the hardball questions, but I think that you'll be prepared for them. Go I for think, it. I think about what you do and I think about how I 
help people, especially first-time real estate investors who are looking for rental real estate, how I help them get into their first property. And there are so many ways to, you know, fund the down payment. There are so many ways to find the money. Like if you're not able to get in and get out with hard money, you're looking at, you know, paying tons in interest. So I'm, I want to talk to that specific subset of people who maybe want or maybe think that there's possibly a way for them to use hard money to get into rental real estate. And again, I want you to kind of highlight on how you've seen people go about doing, doing Absolutely. it or how you've done it. And whether it's like a situation to where you're, you're going in with hard money, you're refinancing uh, after six or 12 months and then possibly, you know, replace that with something else. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, here's what I look at. Hard money should be a tool in your tool belt. So I'm not here to say hard money, you should use hard money on every single deal that you're going to do out there. No, I'm not going to say that. And you know, there's places where hard money makes a lot of sense and there's other places where it doesn't. If you've got a deal that you can take over subject to and put a few thousand dollars down and take over that house or whatever the case is, it doesn't make sense to use hard money. But let's say you're in a situation where you've got to close fast, right? They need some money. They need some money in a few weeks. You've got to close fast. That could make sense. I think one of the most clever ways that we can help people is if you find the right deal, and this is hard to do, you got to find a really, really good deal. And the purchase and the rehab can all fit under 70% of the after repaired value. It, depending upon where it's located, those things, we can typically fund your purchase and your rehab. So you're really coming out with little to no money on that. And then you go ahead and, and fix the property up and then you refinance that property. You can really get into zero down rental properties. You know, if you can come in and get a hard money loan, we'll give you the money for the purchase and for the rehab. And then you get the property rehabbed and then you spend that into, into a financing deal. The other place that I think hard money and rentals has is getting the uh, something that's a short term. So let's say you can't get any type of long-term financing and you've got a guy that needs that can't, you can't take subject to. So what you can do in that situation is get a hard money rental loan, which can be a lot lower in points, which is a lot lower in interest and get a five or 10 year loan on that where you wouldn't qualify for traditional financing. You can't take it over subject to what are you going to do? That's where we come in and you can get deals like that for a couple of points and you know, anywhere from eight to 12% on the interest rate. So it's definitely more money, no question. But if you can't get a traditional loan and somebody needs to get cashed out, you can't keep their existing loan. That's, that's the way to do it. So I would say those two strategies, 100% financing or very low cash to close. And secondly, a longer term loan when you can't take it over subject to and you can't qualify for conventional. I love that. Those are two beautiful ways. So again, number one, for rentals, the, way, the route you want to go if you want to use hard money for rentals is if you have very low cash to close, number one, or two, you're able to get a hard money rental loan, which I've never heard of before. So let's dive into number two a little bit. Let's talk about that. A hard money rental loan, you've already mentioned, is a loan that, that, that's between five and 10 years. How easy or how hard or what are the requirements for getting such a loan? You know, typically what we're going to look at, and it's going to depend because when we're dealing with a loan like that, we're, we're dealing with a hedge fund uh, relationship that we have. So in most cases, they're going to look at your background. They're going to want to make sure you don't have, you know, anything crazy on your background, you know, so meaning, you know, arrests and that type of stuff. So that's probably a given, but some people may have some struggles with that. Um, the other thing that they're going to look at is they're going to look to make sure that property's cash flowing. They're going to look to make sure that you've got a renter in there. We can do it two ways. The one way we can do it is give you the money for 
for the repairs. We don't care if there's a renter, but we've done that and then done a takeout loan for somebody to, to turn into a rental, rental, which we just did one last week, actually, which worked out beautifully. But really with that, if you've got over, say, a 600 FICO score, maybe even a 580 FICO score, and you've got some employment or some income that you can show, that typically works. In some cases, we can do it without any income verification, but it's pretty easy. I would say over, over a 580 or 600 FICO score, you've got tenant that's in there, it's positive cash flowing, and you know a situation like that is pretty easy. It depending upon where the property is located some of those links. I mean, everything's got, you know, if this, then what. And we actually have a computer system that does it all for you. Put the deal in, it tells you the very best, lowest, lowest cash, longest term, you know, that type of stuff built. But that's kind of how that would work. So they're a lot easier than you may think. It's, it's more expensive than going to a traditional bank. You're not going to get 5% money. It's 8 to 12% money. You're going to pay probably two points on a deal like that, one or probably two, depending upon the complexity of it. But it's a good alternative if you don't have you know, a 680 or 700 FICO score. If you don't have a bunch of money, they may want to put down, you know, if you, if you can't qualify for additional loan, there is hard money rental money that's out there on a five year, um, maybe a 10 year, depending upon your personal qualifications, worst case scenario, a three year. So anywhere from three to 10. I love that. And I may have to put you in contact with a few of my clients, Ryan, this is beautiful. And you have, you, have you, or do you work with first time investors? You know, that is our specialty. We love first-time investors. Probably the thing we're most known for is first-time fix and flippers. So we are expanding our markets out when we deal with uh, renters and landlords, that type of stuff. But right now, we do a lot of first-time fix and flips, which takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work on our part. It's expensive money. It's not cheap money, but we can handhold. We have project managers that help them before with the rehab and afterwards. And we've got service. We've got hands-on servicing. So we, we offer a ton of support to help the guy do their first one. And the reason is, is because somebody helped me do my first deal and I get a ton of satisfaction out of helping that first one. And so that's, that's one of the big things we're known for. I love it. I love it. So, you know, kind of closing out this segment, it sounds like there is say such thing out there called hard money rental loans. And these loans are between five and 10 years. The, uh, the interest rate is between eight and 12%. And it's one of those things to where this is an option for you guys. I want you guys to definitely explore this. I mean, when you think about the returns that you're getting, you have to, again, because it's a, it's a, it's a higher price loan. You have to make sure that you're getting adequate returns, that it's a great deal. Um, and again, that's something that, you know, your coach, your consultant, whoever you work with, they can help you through that. And even your lender, but you want to make sure that it's a great deal. And I guess last point to kind of speak to this, Ryan, how is your, and it sounds like you've already kind of automated things now, as far as your underwriting process, it sounds like it's a computer system that just you plug numbers in and just kind of spits things back to you. But when you talk about underwriting, especially for these types of deals, you're more so looking at the cash flow of the property or the potential cash flow of the property than, than the present person of getting the loan? Or are you more so looking at the, at the actual person and their qualifications and their income as opposed to the actual property? Or is it a combination? I know it's a combination of both. Yeah, what, yeah. What weighs, what weighs more? Well, I mean, we have several options like this. So it depends on which uh, partner we're doing this with, which hedge fund. So we've got options for all money. It's not necessarily, the underwriting isn't necessarily automated. What we've done is automated the, which is the best place to take this for you, or which is the best place to do it. I think it depends on where we take, where we do a loan with that. And these aren't places you can just call and go yourself. These are ones we have good relationships with, with, uh, you know, billion dollar hedge fund type stuff. Uh, it depends on which rich route we take. 
typically they're looking at the cash flow of the property. They want to make sure your background's clear and they want to make sure you're not a bum. Like if you can't show any income, like if you don't have a job, you know, if you don't have a way, if you don't have a job and you're a real estate investor and you're not making any income and you haven't for the last year, that's going to be tough to do. If you've got a job and you know, you're, you can show it's positive cash flowing and even if your credit's not great, but it's, you don't have 18 judgments and you know, that type of stuff, much easier to do. So everything's going to be on case by case. And the other thing that's flexible with us, you know, we're not like a bank where it's rigid, yes or no. It's like, we could probably do that, but it's going to cost you. So is it, is it worth it to you to pay that? I don't know. That's a decision you need to make. So, you know, lots of times there's a few options. Hey, we can go this route and this is what I'll do. Or we can go this route and this is what it's going to cost and do. Um, but it is a hybrid. It's the difference between, you know, it's not traditional financing that you're going to be looking for traditional qualifications. I love that. Love that. Love that. I love the flexibility. And this is going to often tell, you know, the listeners of the show and my clients as well is that every single loan provider out there, every single hard money lender out there, I mean, you have to, you have to literally build a, build a relationship. I mean, you, as you said, like some of these things are subjective to the person you're working with are subjective to who you are and what you're able to provide. I mean, there are certain things that a bigger bank may say no to that a smaller bank may say yes to. There are certain things that a credit union may say yes to. There are certain things that a hard money lender may say yes to. So un, don't leave any rock uh, not uncovered. I totally butchered that, but don't leave any rock not uncovered. <laughs> I love well, and, and part of that, it also may depend on the time of the year, the time of the month? Do they have a bunch of excess money? Are they getting more aggressive? Are they getting less aggressive? I mean, those things change all the time. Underwriting is tightening up. So here's a, here's a dirty little secret for the lenders that are out there. When they get low on capital, they tighten their underwriting guidelines. And when they get too much capital that's not working, they loosen their underwriting guidelines. And so they're constricting demand based upon how much capital they have available. So you might get them at the wrong day at the wrong time and they're super, super uh, constraining. And then you could be a few months later and they could be quite a bit looser the same place. The other thing is two, two programs aren't created equal. You know, somebody may say, well, we'll fund you 90% of your purchase and 100% of your rehab. Okay. And another place says we'll do 90% of purchase and 100% of rehab. Okay. The devil's really in the details because there's things that they'll say, well, but we want ratios or want money or this one may say, well, if you have anything on your credit, you know, if you had a DUI charge 20 years ago, that's going to kill it. So you could lose a deal here that the exact same deal here, but you don't know that until you get deep into it. And that's why, you know, what we're trying to do is have a platform that has every single option in the world there, private lenders, hedge funds, everything else. And you put it in and you say what's most important, longest term, least amount of cash, lowest cost. And it says, here's the best option for you. And then from there, we send it to, you know, we, we package your loan and, you know, work with you and get that, get that approved. But that's the direction we're really going and say, hey, we've got it all. If it can be done, we can do it. And we've got options you've never even heard of and things that we can do. You know, and that's, that's really direction right now, specifically in the single family. And I should say like hashtag, hashtag, everything's subject to change rates. You never know. You know, like who knows? I don't, you know, we're not quoting APRs and you know, all that type of stuff. We're talking investor, but you know, it gives you a rough idea of where things are at. Specifics are always devils in the details. Love it. Love it. Love it. So let's close out this section with this one last question, Ryan. What are the loan sizes that you guys typically give out? And maybe just give us a range of maybe the, the smallest loan you guys work with to the, to the largest. Yeah. So it, it depends on which direction we take it. We typically play under 250,000 is probably our sweet spot um, where we do a lot of loans in the $150,000 range. Loans as small as 
of $50,000, $70,000 is probably on the low end. Um, we'll do those loans, but you're going to pay more for it. You just got to be prepared because it's just a lot of work for the same. So you got to be ready to pay for that type of thing. We'll have a flat fee where we're just going to charge a flat fee on something like that. And then we've got other options where we can go significantly higher. If we go higher, you're going to be coming in with more money. So just be prepared for that over that two fifty. You're going to have to come in with some cash. And we can still, we have some really creative ways to do stuff, but you're going to need to, you need to plan on cash. If you're looking for um, the lower cash options, you want to stay under the 250. Lifestyle design acceleration hacks. What is your favorite before the millions book? Atlas Shrugged. Have you read it? No, tell me more. <laughs> so Atlas Shrugged is a book, Anne Rand, who defected from Russia, and she came to the United States and she was enamored by capitalism, true capitalism, I should say. And she writes a novel about the effects of capitalism and what happens if you constrain capitalists. And it's so inspirational to me. We even named my first kid after the book. And it really helps me see, see things in a different light. I love that. I love that. I love that. That sounds beautiful. And that's by uh, Ayn Rand, correct? Ayn Rand. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Next question. What is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. I would have to say, I'd have to say Audible. It probably gets said too much, but I'm, believe it or not, I'm dyslexic. So I have a hard time like reading out inverse things and that type of stuff. So like audio is amazing, right? I'm listening to audio this morning. I'm listening to it coming in. I love audio. I just think the invention of the, you know, recorded audio is just helps my learning curve go up exponentially. So I retain it when I listen. So I, it's gotta be audible. If you guys want to listen to the, uh, to the Atlas Shrug book or any other books that are mentioned on this episode or any other episode, you guys can visit beforethemillions.com slash book and you get two free audiobooks uh, as soon as you just type in that link and go go literally pick any book that you want in the library. It's simply amazing. I love Audible and I listen to 95% of my books through Audible. So there you have it. Go do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, you won't regret it. Exactly. <laughs> you can also do double speed. You can do a half time and a half, two time. Anyway, so. I love it. What what do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? I love to travel. So, you know, last year, you know, we went to Hawaii, we went to we went to Paris, we went to Mexico. I'm going to the Bahamas on Saturday. Like I just I love to travel. And that's probably the thing that I'm fortunate enough to be able to do is to be able to see the world and be able to take my boys. You know, my boys have passports. They've been to multiple, multiple countries. They've got more stamps than most people have ever been outside of their state. And that's cool for me. Not like a, you know, what do I want to say? Like a, a pompous, like I love to travel because I like to meet people. I like to see new cultures. I like to see how people do things. And when we do that, we live local when we do that. We usually exchange our cabin with somebody else's second home and we live in their place and they live in ours. Like these guys, they're flying in. I'm leaving my my truck at the airport. They're going to jump in and take the truck and I'm taking their car. So we're swapping second homes and we're swapping vehicles as well. And so I get to live local too, which is really awesome most of the time. I mean, we'll go to resorts and stuff too. But anyway, the, I would say the ability to be able to travel is like, 
got to be top of my list. Your kids are going to thank you for that. And yeah. that's why I started this podcast. That's why it's all about lifestyle design. So I know that your kids are going to grow up with that same mentality uh, that you have and that I have because it's beautiful. It's the best way. I mean, it's. I feel like it's what we're here to do. It's what we're here to explore. We're here to learn. We're here to grow. We're here to, here to fulfill others. And I mean, it's all, you know, it's all a process. It's all something that we can, you, you have these experiences that you, I mean, you, it's so invaluable the, the way like the global economy, like, I mean, of course the U.S. is kind of like a melting pot, but when you get to other countries and you see how people are living, you have a different perspective, you have a different way of thinking, you start to understand the world as a whole better. Like it's just, it's just beautiful. So I, yeah. I think it's travels the best education possible. Yeah. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? It's interesting you asked me this question because I was just down in Southern Utah, St. George by Zions with my brother-in-law and he mentioned something to me. He's like, you guys did it right. We're about the same age. And he's like, you guys did it right. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, you sacrificed a lot early on and that's affording you to have so much now. And he's like, I miss, I miss that. So the example I give, the specific example is after we, we lived in the duplex and after a few years we bought a house, we bought a 1300 square foot house. And I lived in that house for a long time. I lived in the house like eight years and we were making really good money, really good money at the time. I mean, we were making really good money and I could more than afford to buy a much, much, much bigger house. And uh, we stayed there for eight years because we wanted to, to use our money to buy investments rather than to buy a new house for us. And so we kept buying more property, more property, more property. And um, because of that, I went from a 1300 square foot house to a 6,500 square foot house which I actually did a deal with a bank on a short sale. And anyway, so, and they financed the deal for me too. But I was able to do that. I was able to make that move because I was willing to sacrifice. And the decision to make that sacrifice early on has made everything. We talk about like the debt snowball. You've heard the whole thing, you know, like pay off this debt and then that payment you can use to the next debt and that payment you can use to the next debt and you do this debt snowball. The reverse of this that so many people forget about is the investment snowball, this compounding effect. You know, Albert Einstein said compound interest is the greatest uh, invention in the world or something like that. But this compound event, if you can take the money you make and reinvest that money and reinvest that money and reinvest that money, you start getting a debt snowball or excuse me, you start getting an income snowball or you're getting an investment snowball that spits off cash so well um, that it keeps rolling down the hill. So it's the reverse principle of that. And that early on, and, and if you're older and you didn't start that early, start today right? Like you can start it today, right now, right? So start investing, figure out what you're going to do. Start reducing your expenses. Use that extra money towards buying a property or doing something or investing in your education. Like there's the expense side, which you should be paying attention to. And then there's the investment side. I look at it, you kind of have three jobs, right? You've got your day job that pays the bills for the family. You've got your investment job, which is your long-term, you know, that's going to spit off cash flow. And then you've got to manage your finances. Like you've got to be willing to say, hey, I'm going to say no to this because I'm willing to say yes. I want something bigger. But I think too many people are trying to get that bigger trip to the Bahamas today when they didn't weren't willing to sacrifice for 10 years living in a crappy house, you know, when they could have afforded to. And I think that's kind of the pride thing. It's like, man, why am I living here? You know, you can't be in that mindset. It's like, I'm living here because I want to get to there. And if I have a roadmap and a strategy, I'm going to be better off if I'm willing to sacrifice today. 
Boom, boom. I love that. That is beautiful, beautiful advice. And I love the debt snowball kind of example. I love flipping that on its head and looking at that as like an investment snowball. And, you know, you kind of said, you kind of famously quoted uh, Albert Einstein in that compound interest is simply like when I think, I don't know what he called it. It's like he called it like the eighth wonder of the world or something. Yeah, yeah. You just got to decide. You got to make the decision and you got to follow through the hard times. There's, you're going to get smacked in the face. There's going to be hard things. You've got to be willing to take the journey and know that the journey comes with stumble and fall. I mean, I see so many people that give up on themselves way too early. They bring a deal to us. That deal just doesn't turn out. The values aren't there. They thought the values were, and they go away frustrated or upset and they give up on themselves rather than saying, I just got an education. I'm going to use that education on the next deal. I'm not going to make the same mistake. And it may take a few deals before you get that one. You got to be willing to invest the time. And once you do, that first one's easy and the next one's, the first one's hard. The next one's easier. The next one's easier. I often say real estate investing is simple, but it's not easy, right? So it's simple. The principles are simple, but it's hard. It's not easy. It's hard. I love that. I definitely, I, I agree with that quote. I say that all the time. Like it's simple, but I mean the work, what, what's required, may, whether it's your work or you're leveraging somebody else's time, it's, I mean, it's hard. You, you, you're going to have to, you're going to have to put in some, some, some effort there. So I, I totally love that. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? Well, I think thinking back on this, there's, there's probably two people. One is a guy by the name of Dan and that property on Lamar street I was telling you about earlier he funded that deal and he funded the rehab and he funded the purchase. And if it wasn't for him, I don't know if I would have had the courage to do it. So I think him, the second one, there was a guy by the name of Jack Miller. He's an old, old school guy. He passed away several years ago, but he was a real estate educator. I went, uh, you know, several cruises and that type of stuff. You're not going to find him on Amazon. Like I've got all his materials that he made, but he's, he passed away several years ago. He inspired me with like creative real estate investing and was really a mentor to me. Um, I kind of, I made a mistake early on where I kind of, I was kind of a little prideful and just thought I could do it all myself and figure it out all myself. And that slowed me down. I wish I would have invested more into mentorship of saying, you're doing it. Tell me how to do it. And let me follow your proven system. Because one thing I've learned is once I find a proven system, I can follow that system, right? I can be really good at that, but getting that proven system. And so I, I made that, I, I would say that's a mistake I made. I know I didn't ask that, but Dan and Jack are the two guys I would say were essential, you know, before the millions. I love it. I love it. I love it. Last but not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention of getting to the millions? It's, it's a little word called sacrifice. And I just think too many people are wanting it all and not willing to make a trade-off. Like you can go to Starbucks every single day or you can take that same $5 and put it into a, re a retirement or investment account and end up with a lot of money 20 or 30 years from now. And nothing wrong with Starbucks, but in the end, it's uh, it comes down to being willing to make sacrifices today that will have a compounding effect in the future. And those sacrifices are hard. Ryan, if the listeners want to get a hold of you, they want to learn a little bit more about you, they want to reach out to you, where they, can they find some of your information? Connect us with some of your resources. Yeah, yeah, you bet. We put together just a, a website. So dohardmoney.com, D-O-H-R-D-M-O-N-E-Y.com, before dash the dash millions. 
So uh, before dash the dash millions. And um, you can download a copy of my book there. You can get a digital copy for free. We sell it on Amazon for 25 bucks. You can get a free book. If you want a physical copy, you know, pay for the ship and we'll ship it out to you. But you're welcome. How to get more money than you can ever handle a real estate investor's guide to funding deals. It'll help you in getting creative and some of the other aspects that are out there. And we want to give that to all your listeners. So enjoy that. If we can be of service, we'd love to be. Love it. Love it. Love it. Brian, I appreciate that special link. I appreciate the value that you've offered. I appreciate talking about hard money. And I think this is beautiful. And we'll talk to you very, very soon. You got it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a good fit to work with the Before the Millions team, here's what I want you to do next. Head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. That's beforethemillions.com slash call and book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and we'll get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, what is your cash flow goal? How much are you looking to make every month? Number two, your personalized investing strategy. And number three, the best way to get started using cash flowing rental real estate. Remember, starting and scaling your real estate investments and business doesn't happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. We've helped clients all over the world start and scale their investing efforts to six figures and beyond while enjoying life and making the world a better place. To find out if we can help you do the same, head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. I'm Dorel Lallier, and let's talk soon.